that shouldn't be the norm because when that becomes the habit of mommy doing everything for everybody every day, we, f- we feel it inside that it's not, it's not a healthy approach. Like, because on one hand, we don't want to raise entitled rats <laughs> who say, oh, mommy will just do it for it. Mommy will all make a mess and mommy will clean it up. We don't want to raise kids that are lazy. We want to raise kids that have a good work ethic, but also we get exhausted. And I don't know about you guys, but when I get exhausted, I get irritable, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get cranky, and I, I tend towards anger. I start to resent the fact that my kids aren't helping out more and I'm stuck doing everything, even though, hello, I'm the one who actually didn't take the time to train my kids. So, mm-hmm. um, so the question is not whether or not we should train our kids in home care. The question is how, how do we do it in a way that doesn't kill us? <laughs> and that's actually successful how do we make the process easier exactly how do we make this process easier how do we effectively train our kids in home care without going crazy ourselves this is jennifer bryant i want to welcome you back to the practical family podcast i've been taking a bit of a podcast sabbatical if you notice our last episode was published uh, in november and these last six months have been amazing so many things have happened and I'm working on a really awesome project that I want to talk to you guys about later so listen in at the end of this episode to what's coming up with practical family if you haven't already tuned into our uh, social media outlets please please go and like us and follow us on Facebook Pinterest Instagram Twitter we are there and we just started a uh, back up our YouTube channel so this Uh, episode is on YouTube right now. You can see Trisha and I talking with one another. So if you follow us there and if you're on our email list, you'll get to see all of these cool, cool things that we offer. Also, don't forget about our Patreon account. If you want to support the work that we do here, go to patreon.com backslash practical family. Anything, anything is, is appreciated and we just love you so much. Before we get into my interview with Trisha Childers, I want to bring on my daughter, Chloe, who just finished doing dishes, by the way. Say hi, Chloe. Hello. How old are you now, honey? I am 12. So when I listen to your 12-year-old voice in like 10 years, <laughs> what, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to be like for me. Yeah, probably it's going to sound a lot higher pitched, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> then later. So tell our audience about your experience learning to do dishes, because I had you and Asher start doing it regularly probably in the last couple years or so. Um, what was that like for you coming into this new responsibility that you have to do like throughout the week? Well, since usually I try to do less dishes, so I don't have to do a lot because I don't like doing dishes that much and it is some it is fair for me and Asher because we usually take turns during the week and sometimes whenever it's not even my turn it's Asher's turn or on Sunday mom has to do it I just don't even care I just do as much dishes as possible (laughs) (laughs) you do as much as possible as early in the day as you can right yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because like Chloe likes to jump on things to like to get them done and Asher not so much he functions differently he he will kind of do it later but he'll you know so that it doesn't have to happen right away he's like okay I can get to that later he still gets them done but they have very different approaches to how they get at their chores what have you learned about having 
to do regular dishes like this for our family. It just makes me think like about my future if I ever grow up and get my own house, have a lot of kids, then I realize I have to do dishes in the future a lot more in the, in the future and what do you realize about that like what are you what connection are you making right now I'm not sure <laughs> you just know it's gonna happen yeah <laughs> well okay we're gonna start there <laughs> all right mamas well Trisha and I are going to talk a little bit more about how to motivate your kids and just how to start the process of getting them involved in doing household chores something that I like to tell I remind my kids is that, you know what, if you want to be independent when you grow up, and if you want to live apart from us, you've got to learn to do these things. But doing them now is so much better to how we contribute to our family, right? Because if one person's doing all the work, then, I mean, not only is it not fair, but it, it feels different and it feels better to contribute to the family effort than having it all lay on one person, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it helps you to be in a more grown-up person. Do you believe that? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. (laughs) She's honest. All right, let's get into this interview, uh, training your kids in home care with our resident expert in home care, Trisha Childers. Enjoy. Bye. Hi, hey, Trisha. Hello, Jen. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. I'm excited to have this convo with you right now, Trish, because Trish and I talk a lot offline because we collaborate on a ton of stuff involving Practical Family. And she created a program that we house under Practical Family called Home on Purpose, but it's all part of the same heartbeat and love for mamas and mamas especially who are home right now with kiddos trying to take care of a home and maintain all the things. So we wanted to have this conversation about how to train kids in home care. Now it's sometimes it feels easier said than done but Trisha has great ways to help us break this down and make sense of all of this wonderful stuff. So I'm going to let you take it away Trish and talk about what the problem is what is yeah. what is our problem right now what is our problem with training problem. Kids to do problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, well interesting because um i love that you actually approached me with this topic and i thought this is the perfect topic because i just did a series called back to school made simple and one of the big topics that kept coming up one of the biggest struggles that moms had um that kept bubbling up in lots of different kinds of ways was there's so much to do. There's so much to do. There's so much to do. And I think a lot of us have been feeling this ever since COVID started because the more time you spend at home, the more important it is to have your home manageable in order. And, you know, I've got a five-year-old, almost six and a seven and a half year old. And so the more time they spend at home, the more time they spend playing, the harder it is to keep the toys uh, under control and stuff. And it's weird. Like, um, Oh, things like uh, water bottles. They used to carry a water bottle with them when they left the house. Now, every time they want to drink, they're getting another cup. So dishes are just like piling up and I wasn't the only one. And so when I did Back to School Made Simple, training your kids to do their part um, as young as two and three years old was super important. And as you said, it's easier said than done because kids don't actually do that. They don't come running up to mommy, can I help with the laundry? Like they just don't do that. And when you 
start the process of training them, one of the biggest hurdles is the fact that they don't do their jobs well. They just don't. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my son is awesome. He's five. Like I said, he's almost six. He makes his own lunches. But my goodness, when he first started to make his own lunch, it was a mess. Actually, one of the Back to School Made Simple moms was even lamenting that she wants her three boys to make their own lunches. But every time they do, there's just peanut butter all over the counter and all over their clothes, which makes laundry harder. And then of course they want to scoop up tons of jelly. And she's like, that's not really the sandwich I want. And so it's tempting in that moment to jump in and say, you know what, mommy will do it. Because when I do the job, I do it better and I do it faster and I don't make a mess in the process. And so it's very tempting to just say, whatever, I'll just do it, whatever, I'll just do it. And hey, every once in a while, that's not, a sin, you know, like if we are late and on our way out the door, and if we don't all have lunches and water bottles, then we're going to have a tough time today. And I might jump in and do it for my kids. But that shouldn't be the norm. Because when that becomes the habit of mommy doing everything for everybody every day, we, f we feel it inside that it's not, it's not a healthy approach. Like, because on one hand, we don't want to raise entitled rats <laughs> who say, oh, mommy will just do it for it. Mommy will all make a mess and mommy will clean it up. We don't want to raise kids that are lazy. We want to raise kids that have a good work ethic. But also we get exhausted. And I don't know about you guys, but when I get exhausted, I get irritable, mm -hmm. <laughs> I get cranky, and I, I tend towards anger. I start to resent the fact that my kids aren't helping out more and I'm stuck doing everything, even though, hello, I'm the one who actually didn't take the time to train my kids. So. Mm -hmm. Um, so the question is not whether or not we should train our kids in home care. The question is how, how do we do it in a way that doesn't kill us <laughs> and that's actually successful? Um, how do we make the process easier? So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Yeah, yeah, that's important, especially the part about getting in the habit. We train ourselves to do everything for everyone. And it makes sense at first when our kids are small because they need us for everything, right? It's so true, but we if we're not careful, we we won't necessarily be following those necessary milestones that our kids take on where they are old enough to take on responsibility. We t we talk about this a lot on practical family because practically it makes more sense to train your little people to do the things that they can do, right? Um, and it does, it's burdensome, it's it's heavy. It's heavy on us. I just this year, actually, my kids are 10 and 11, and just this year, I started having them do dishes. First of all, they were tall enough <laughs> to do <Yeah>. them. <laughs> because before it was more cumbersome because th their little bodies just weren't ready for it yet to reach the sink. and and hold heavy dishes and scrub them, you know, but, but paying attention to the other things that they have been able to do. I felt comfortable putting that on them this, this year. And my husband even helped me with that and said, you know, let's, let's just have them do a little bit at a time, or maybe not like the whole sink of dishes after you've made this huge ginormous meal. Let's not expect all of that because then they're going to get really overwhelmed quickly. And I, it was good that he, he stepped in and said that because I, w I was just like, okay, mom's done. You're doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they need to learn to do it in steps and the consistency of ex expectation was important for them too. So it's been good. It's been really good. They've been sticking to it. Good. Yeah, you actually just kind of touched on 
Um, what I prepared for today were three different guidelines for helping moms to train their kids, and you already touched on two of them. Oh, um, so can I share the first guideline? Yeah, yeah, because the first guideline is to begin with the end in mind. And by the end, I don't mean the end of that chore. I mean the end of parenting. Like when they're 18 years old, 20, 25 years old and out into the world and living their adult life and living in their own homes that they're responsible for taking care of, um, what, what do you want them to be in the habit of, of doing, right? How do you want their view of taking care of ho their own homes? I'm going to use the word home, but whatever. It might be an apartment. It might be a dorm. It might be your basement. But whenever space they occupy is their domain and they should be they should not only know how to take care of it, but be in the habit of taking care of it. And um, I'll give example because I didn't when I was when I left home, I was not ready whatsoever. So can I I'm going to share a little story that is yeah. embarrassing, but I'm finally <laughs> confident in myself enough to tell it. So when I left high school, I went straight into a four year college. And the first two years I spent in the dorms. They just, they do everything for you in the dorms. It was not until my third year of college, I was 20 years old, that I moved into a townhome with three other girls. And we said, we're going to take good care of this townhome. Let's create a chore rotation. And everyone said, okay. And so when it was my week to clean the bathroom, I was like, yeah, I can do it. I can clean the bathroom. And I went upstairs and I opened up the cabinet and I looked at the products and I froze because it hit me for the first time. Never cleaned a bathroom before. <laughs> I did not know how to do it. And one of them said bathroom. I get it. And one of them said bathroom surfaces. And the third one said antibacterial. And I'm like, I, I don't know the difference. And until like until that moment, I realized, like, do you spray it first or do you have to get it wet first? And is this like you have to rinse it down or can you just wipe it? Like I knew how Windex worked. That one I knew, but I didn't know anything else. And I sat there on the floor <laughs> like an idiot, reading these tiny little directions, which are not clear. And I find after 20 minutes, I just swallowed my pride and got a roommate and be like, help, I've never done this before. And it wasn't that I wasn't intelligent or capable. I was perfectly willing to do the work, but I had never done it before. Nobody had ever trained me. And my roommate was very nice and she helped me through it. But our rotation was you clean the bathroom once a month. Like everybody does a different part of the house once a week. And so it wasn't until a month later that I was cleaning the bathroom again. And by that time, I totally forgotten everything. And I go and ask for help again. And the whole time I had this anxiety, like what if I break the shower? <laughs> like I, I didn't, I did not feel confident. And so here's the deal. If we don't train our kids to take care of the homes they live in as adults, they will eventually figure it out. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. And they're going to, it's going to be very uncomfortable. You know, that should have been just a half an hour for me. And instead, it was this long process every week. Thankfully, the same roommate who helped me with the bathroom didn't know how to cook. And I was able to help her how to cook. So we kind of evened it out. <laughs> like, she's yeah. an intelligent, capable young lady, but her mom just didn't teach her how to cook in the kitchen. So the kitchen was this scary mystery. So mm. I, I had determined that I want my kids to be able to do, and this is actually a great exercise if you haven't done this before, is to just grab a pad of paper and list, just brainstorm and list all of the different household tasks that you want your kids mm -hmm. to be able to do. And yeah. it's intimidating, right? Like when you actually listen to that, it's a lot. But then you look at how old they are in the scope of time. Like, okay, my daughter, she's got 10 years before she's done school um, and often doing her own thing. So over the course of those 10 years, 
I'm going to be progressively focused on teaching her and training her and my son as well um, in the same way that we train them to take care of their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Healthy, mm -hmm. good hygiene, um, uh, what was it? Yeah, eat healthy, exercise, that sort of a thing. We don't wait until they're 18 and then be like, here's how to be healthy. Like, no, you train them. And so mm -hmm. it's the same with training them to take care of their homes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I'm feeling right now for a lot of the moms who maybe, maybe in a case like yours or, or in mine, mm -hmm. we didn't really grow up with regular chores. No. And so, you know, doing it ourselves or putting together our own home <clears throat> maybe is just, is new to us if you're newly, relatively newly married or maybe newly at home because you used to work more and now you're in the home more which is my case, I came home from a full-time job and I was like, okay, I really have to put more time and effort and energy into this home, to this house yeah. and uh, to, to maintain it and make it, make sure it's more peaceful. Um, but if you weren't trained by someone, you could kind of be at a loss for how to train your kids. Like I wasn't taught, so how do I teach this? Is there a method to this madness, you know? And that's why I'm glad you developed the program you have home on purpose because these are specific things that we can help you with because we needed help too, mamas, you know? And it, it does work both ways. Like, let's say I'm not great at cleaning the house, but I want to train my kids to be cleaning the house, but I'm not really sure the best way to do it when you sign up for, for example, I have a mini series on house cleaning, it's three lessons, and it goes through basic cleaning. And actually, the second lesson is um, a team effort. It's how to get your family on board with pitching in. Um, and then the third lesson is deep cleaning. As you're going through the lesson series, pay attention to how I'm teaching you and how I'm breaking it down. And you just, depending on the ages of your kids, I mean, if they're one, it's not going to work. But <laughs> if you've got, how old are your kiddos again? Right now, I listen. Mine are 10 and 11. Yeah, you would have them watch the videos mm -hmm. with you on 10 and 11 and say like, okay, yeah. we are doing this lesson series together. We are working through these take control tasks together. Let's make decisions together and then allow me to come alongside. It's not designed for kids or aimed at kids. In fact, I talk about the kids sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, you can have them join in with you. And actually, that's my second guideline if, if you if I can share the second guideline, yep. because you just touched on it. And actually this reminds me, this is what you were talking about with the dishes. You're like, they've got this giant sink filled with dishes after this big elaborate meal and I'm supposed to try to get them to do it. Um, and you know, so you, you had to come to the realization that this is too much for them. This yeah. is a little too big and you need to kind of scale back. So the second guideline that I have is to use what I call a drip delegating. And if you've either taken my, mini series, my house cleaning mini series, or actually I talked about it in Back to School Made Simple as well. The premise behind drip delegating is don't wait for the kids to be able to do the whole thing. Just think about the task that you eventually want them to completely take on and ask at this age, at this moment, with their ability and their height and you know all that stuff, what little pieces of the task can they do now? And actually dishes was my example <laughs> because I'm, I hate dishes and <laughs> I do not want to do dishes. Every day before I do dishes, that's how much I hate it. People um, need to stop eating is what they need to do. They need to stop eating so much. My son already than <laughs> me at five years old, so I'm like, yeah. So what I did is actually when they were two and three years old, my kids are a year and a half, so I kind of just lumped them together. When they were toddlers, I started, and some people listen to that and they go, 
a toddler doing dishes. It's like, well, think about the entire scope from the moment you open the cabinet to get the plate for dinner all the way to the moment where you're emptying the clean dishwasher and every teeny, teeny, tiny little step in between. And you ask which of those pieces can they do? Because when I say dishes, that's what I mean. The whole scope of if you are going to eat off of the dish, you need to take care of the dish. Mm -hmm. And I started with emptying the dishwasher and I started with the unbreakables because let's face it, toddlers are really great at stacking and sorting. Like the classic toddler toy is that tower thingy with the colored rings, you know, and they yeah. stack them or what well, I spent $25 on some toy to have them put the red one in the red cup and the blue one in the blue cup. <laughs> so that's where I started. I started with stacking and sorting and Actually, at the time, uh, all of their unbreakable dishes were way up high. So I was so determined to teach them how to do dishes that I actually spent a Saturday afternoon rearranging the whole kitchen just so that the island would house everything unbreakable. And I started by inviting them into the kitchen whenever I was emptying the dishwasher saying, okay, Lauren, here's your plate, put it away. And she went, I know where it goes. And she got excited and put it down and she'd come back with another one and Joshua would do the same thing. And it took a couple of weeks, but after a while, when I would say it's time to do the dishwasher, they knew to come to the kitchen, start grabbing their plates and cups and bowls and putting them away. And that's what I call one little drip. So it's just one little piece of the dishes. And when they got that down, we did the Tupperware. When they got that down, they did the silver. When they got that down, they did the unbreakable um, uh, like spatulas and stuff. And every one of those pieces was another little drip along the way. And when we reached the plateau, like, you guys can't do breakables yet and you can't reach the high cabinets yet. So then I, I let that sit and then I switched to the other side. Okay. Clear your dishes. That's a drip. Nope. Scrape your food first, then put it by the sink. That's another drip. And so you drip delegate one piece at a time. And it's not like today I'm going to teach my kids how to do the dishes. Drip delegating is a mindset. Every time I do any sort of task at, in the house at all, I ask myself, are there any pieces of this chore that my kids could do now? And if the answer is yes, then I keep on delegating. And that makes it a lot easier because you're never, you never have a giant task in front of you and the kids never have a giant task in front of them. You're only ever dealing with a tiny little drip. And so it's a lot more, it's user-friendly, if you will. Yeah. 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 That's much easier. Breaking large projects down into smaller bites is one of the best ways to teach anything. And it forces us as adults to think about what it takes to put, you know, larger tasks together. And often we don't remember how we learned it. But if we kind of reverse engineer the way that we already do things uh -huh. and then just give a piece of that to the kids and not think you should know this because I know it, I, I can still fall into that. Even though I know my kids are 10 and 11, the expectations that, that I inadvertently put on them when I don't think through how large a task feels for them because they have no experience with it, that's when we need to kind of backtrack and go, okay, wait, hold on. What can you do? What feels doable for you? And of course, your kids might come back, well, I don't want to do any of it. Like, don't make me, you know. But I know no, you can, you can, and you will. I believe you can. And take this piece first, and, and that's all. Don't worry about anything other than this right now. And then, so this leads into your third guideline, which is really, really good. <laughs> Let's wrap this up with your third one. 
So the third guideline is to use realistic motivation. Um, I think kids really can feel it when the the rewards and consequences are arbitrary. Like mommy's just making this up as she goes along. And um, so it needs to be something that actually causes them to say, even though I don't want to do dishes, because who does? I hate dishes, right? I don't expect my kids to be excited about doing dishes, even though they don't want to, They they uh, to get them motivated to do it anyway. And the first mm -hmm. one was actually something you reminded me of, which is the easiest, simplest source of motivation, which is praise. Just pour on the praise. And I feel it myself. You know, it's my typical job in the household to cook dinner every night. And I'm going to do it whether I feel motivated or not. But man, when one of my kids says, mommy, this is yummy. Or my husband says, thank you for cooking dinner. I, it makes me like sit up a little bit straighter and smile and excited to cook the next day. So the appreciation, it, a little bit goes a long way. So when I was trying to teach yeah. my son how to make his sandwich for the first time, mayonnaise was all over the place and stuff. I said, buddy, you did that all by yourself. That's awesome. And his response to me was a big smile. And he said, I'm going to do it even better tomorrow. I wasn't planning on making his, having him make his lunch two days in a row. But he naturally said, I'm going to do it even better. Like he wanted that praise. So even if there is peanut butter all over the counter or whatever it is, mm. or they break a dish or, you know, and mm, instead of getting on their case for not doing it well, pour on the mm. praise for trying and, yeah. and taking that next step. Um, and, and I have to say, yeah. to remind, um, I'm speaking to myself too, because these things that come out of my mouth, I think I'm training myself out of criticism is so counterproductive. It's so counterproductive. I mean, this is the difference between just saying, no, that's not, you know, that's not quite right. Let's correct this versus mm -hmm. I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? Yeah. And phrases like that, they kind of automatically come out of my mouth sometimes because I am my own worst critic. And then when that comes out onto my kids, it doesn't help. I mean, they hear it from me. Okay. All they heard is that they did it wrong. It doesn't help. It's not helpful. So let's take our phrases and make them as positive as possible because they will respond to that positivity. And it gets it gets a little tricky when you know they know better and you know they're just not trying. And mm -hmm. so it's very difficult. But in that case, I, I wouldn't get on their case about whatever mistake they made. I would, I would you know, say, okay, it looks like this task is harder because you're trying to do two or three things at once. I don't say you're getting distracted, you're not focusing. I say you're trying to do more than one thing at a time. You're trying to sing along to Alexa while you're making your sandwich. And that's a little bit, it's making it a little bit harder. So let's turn Alexa's music off so that it makes it easier for you to focus. So you can frame it because I'm, again, and I'm, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I always think about when they're 16, 17, 18 years old, when they go off to college and they get stuck on their homework, whatever, when they're by themselves and I'm not there and things are going wrong, what mm -hmm. do I want them to, how would I want them to respond? And asking them, asking themselves, okay, this is really, really difficult. What can I do to make it easier? Um, that's, so I try to structure my, my phrasing that way. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna run a couple more sources of motivation besides phrase, praise. Yeah. I'll go through them quickly. One of them is money. I, you know, I mean, 
everybody's got their own view on this, but um, I'm a firm believer that we should be training our kids for how the real world works. And in the real world, all this stuff around me, like my pretty picture up there that I like so much, where did it came from? come from? It came from money. Where did that money come from? It came from work. And so I want my kids to make that connection that stuff comes from money, money comes from work. And so when they're working around the house, which is really the only kind of work that a five and seven year old will do, I want them to have that experience of earning their own money and then, you know, saving it, spending it wisely. And it also goes hand in hand with um, the, my other job of preventing kid clutter from coming into the home into the home because they know this is the other thing is the reason they're motivated to save money is I don't buy them toys I just mm-hmm. know my son really wanted this elaborate Hot Wheels track that was $35 and I was like well how much money do you have and he said 15 I'm like get to it and he did he did a lot of work he did extra jobs he did a really good job wanted to make sure he got all of his stars um and he bought that Hot Wheels set and he's perfectly happy with it and I'm like awesome <laughs> But the thing is, in their earnings chart, ever since they were three years old, one of their stars has always been a helpful household job. And so every single day, they are now in the habit of saying, what's my job today? What's my job today? What am I going to do to help out around the house? And looking around the house and thinking, what can I do has become the norm. And that goes a long way to helping them uh, to training them because they are expecting you to constantly be giving them more chores to do. Mm-hmm. The third, the third one we have to talk about is the negative consequences because money is positive, praise is positive, but what are you going to do when your kid just won't do it and flat out refuses it to do their jobs? Yeah, you know, I don't want to make my sandwich today. Well, in in our house, that means you don't get to choose what goes in your lunch. Mm-hmm. Because as an adult, if I delegate my job to somebody else, if I say, eh, you do it for me, then it's not going to be done my way. They're going to do it their way. And I have to deal with that. Right. And so that's, I'll make your lunch for you, but you won't get your star. And I'm going to put whatever I feel like putting in your lunch. And you can leave your breakfast dish on the table with all that runny egg yolk. You can leave it out there as long as you want to, but you're still fussing that dish and scrubbing it. And procrastination makes things harder. Good luck with that hardened egg yolk. You know, like that's a good lesson for them to learn. It's a natural consequence. It's not like you can't watch TV because you didn't clean up your room. No, if you didn't clean up your room regularly, then that means I've given you too many belongings that you can't handle it. You can't handle the responsibilities. So I guess we're going to have to reduce the belongings. And that reflects adult life as well. If I don't do my job well, my boss is going to look at me and say, guess I've given you too many responsibilities. I think we need to back off and give those tasks to someone else. And I get demoted. You know, that's so anytime I try to think of a negative consequence, I ask myself as an adult, if I were to behave in that same way, what happens to me naturally? And then I try to find a a parallel that translates well into my child's world. So those are those mm-hmm. are the forces of realistic motive and you can make your own decisions about that but as long as you have to be thoughtful about it and when you go to train them in a new chore like i'm going to train my kids to vacuum okay what's the consequence if they don't do that job i should have that in mind before i even start the training process or while i'm starting the training process like okay so one day they're going to come to me and i'm going to say it's time to vacuum and they're going to say no 
<laughs> I got to know what my response is. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's basically it. But those, just to wrap up, those are the three guys. So when we begin with the end in mind, picture them when they're adults and we proactively drip delegate again and again over the course of their childhood. And then we employ these realistic motivations like praise and an earning system and realistic consequences. Then ultimately we're raising kids that are mature adults who know how to and are in the habit of taking care of their homes. And for those of us who weren't trained, <laughs> they're gonna say thank you later on, hopefully one day when they're 40 and they have their own kids and they realize what we've done for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the hope. That's the hope, we'll see. But for now, for now, we can have more peaceful homes when we take the time, effort, and energy to teach our kids how to do it to and how to affirm them well so that they grow in confidence and not only want to keep doing it, but feel good about themselves for contributing. I tell the kids all the time, you know, you guys are members of this family and we contribute together. And I know mommy doesn't always want to do these things. I don't love doing dishes. I don't love doing laundry, but guess what? We have to, to maintain our lives this way, or we have less stuff. So I clean out my, my closet every so often, my stuff, we regularly take things to Goodwill, you know, because stuff has value and they work for their toys too. Same way. We have, we have made our kids work for, um, extra fun activities like the water park, like the skating rink, like they just bought their little Healy shoes with the wheels on them. They paid for those things because they have responsibilities that require that they earn stuff because if we give them everything, they, would, they don't take care of it. I mean, and I say this from experience, not just with my own kids, but me. I don't take care of stuff the same way, even growing up when it was just handed to me. So it's a different mindset that we're training them in to, to love and appreciate what they have. I actually talk about that in the toys series because I've got one lesson on the monetary value of your toys and another lesson on responsibility. And in both of they go hand in hand. My son takes such good care of that Hot Wheels track. When the cat went over and started to play with it, he was like, go away, onion. Like he wanted to protect his Hot Wheels track. <laughs> um, whereas the other toys, like you said, that were just handed to them, his care because mm -hmm. he's not emotionally invested in it, you know? So yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Trish. This, this, um, uh, interview will be available still for our practical family resource group. You can watch it anytime. Um, eventually we'll get it up onto our YouTube channel, but in the meantime, go ahead and watch this video as at your leisure. If you have any questions, still put them in the comments, even if you're not watching live and Trisha and I will, um, be on them to help answer them. But I want to point out before we leave that Trisha's created her entire home on purpose series but her video series is right here on, on practical family the link is right here in the comments it's practicalfamily.org backslash home on purpose all one word so learning to live in your home on purpose with intentionality um, to help you to have more peace in your home and less clutter trisha walks you through all of these different areas of the home and she's developing a couple more areas as we go and and so keep in touch here also i'll put this link in the comments too make sure that you join her specific 
Facebook group for uh, her home on purpose Facebook group because she'll that's where she's building community in there and taking people through tasks and you get to contribute by asking special questions and requesting special talks and topics and things like that. So um, anything else you want to mention that you well, offer? I have a fun, fun interview that's coming up that will only be shared in the Home on Purpose Facebook group and it's all about saving money and getting on top of your finances and things like that. So that's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanna make sure that that people understand them, that because a lot of people will call me a declutterer and I want to just <laughs> dispel that myth right now. I'm not a declutterer. Although yes. decluttering is part of what we do and I'm a big proponent of that. It's what you said, it is making your home easier to manage, easier to keep in order um, so that you can be free to enjoy your life. And a big part of that is not being the only person to be trying to keep your house in order because that doesn't work. So getting your kids on board, getting your, on the same page with your husband if you're married and making sure that everybody is, is pitching in is a big part of that. So I was really excited to talk about that today. So thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. Okay, we'll see Trisha again later, but um, keep in touch. Feel free to ask your questions and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, bye. You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, and my guest today was Trisha Childers from Home on Purpose. Home on Purpose is right here at Practical Family. It's actually our in-house home care program that Trisha has created herself. She's an excellent teacher. Please go check out her stuff, practicalfamily.org backslash home on purpose. You will find video series for just about every room of the house. You'll find her intentionalized video series on our YouTube channel right there next to the podcast videos. Everything you need to make home care easier is right there in the home on purpose program. Now I promised that I would tell you about a fun project that I'm doing that's coming up. And so the reason why I took a six month sabbatical from podcasting was number one, I had a trip planned to go visit my family. So many wonderful things happened. My sister had a new precious, adorable baby. She's a little girl and she's amazing. She's thriving. While we were there, my youngest brother got married, which is amazing. So welcome Jamie to our family. And then um, another thing happened that was unexpected. My grandfather, my, my mama's dad, passed away. He was my grandpa Cisco. He's with Jesus now. But we got to be there with him to help usher him into heaven, um, care for him in his very last days, and plan the funeral. And um, in doing so, we got to reconnect with so many wonderful family members what a, a, a sad but great reason to get together, to get to know each other again. But the other thing I've been working on is a book, manuscript. So this book, manuscript, is all about, well, I won't say too much yet because I'm kind of still in process, but it's centering around this idea of being enough. What is it to feel like you're enough, especially as a mom? And when you don't feel like you have much to offer, maybe sometimes you don't feel smart enough. I hear this from homeschool moms all the time. I, I'm not smart enough to homeschool my kids. I, I'm, I'm not going to be a good teacher or, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm a good enough housekeeper. Hey, enter the Home on Purpose program. You can definitely get some tips from Trish over there if you feel that way. Um, and Trish will guide you gently through that process. But what I'm intending to do with this book is to help women and mothers specifically to recognize 
which areas they don't feel like enough and how to reconcile that with what it means to have an identity in Christ and especially if you're a Christian woman and to see yourself differently because a lot of the messages that have stuck in our brains about our worthiness have come from lies we've believed from um, people telling us things that we've held on to and I unpack so much more about what those things do to us and our ability to move forward in confidence in our life. So um, if you would just pray for me right now um, as I write this manuscript and put it together, um, I'm submitting to an agent in September. So pray that um, that all goes well and the message is clear enough for her to feel confident to pitch to publishing houses in the fall. So yeah, I needed to take a break from podcasting to do a whole lot more writing and we'll see what comes of that in the very near future. Thank you once again for listening. This has been Jennifer Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to strengthen moms through real life struggles to help you to discover your gifts and embrace grace. <laughs>